2: Okay, welcome into your Saturday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. We have covered uh, a through the OBR's Twitch, through this podcast channel, through the website, everything we can about the removal of Odell Beckham Jr. from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Not going to rehash that. I'm sure there'll be plenty of words written today, tomorrow, and into next week about where he lands and why it failed, and you can consume that elsewhere. What we are trying to do here is take a look at what we traditionally try to do. Now schedules get a little crazy the past few weeks and whatever. We try to look ahead uh, at a a moderate level, look ahead at what's to come in next year's draft. So Stephen Thomas is here with me. Steve, how are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, Before we get into the draft stuff, I just have um, the Odell Beckham situation quite obviously can be traced back to the julio jones trade and if you give me 47 mm. minutes i can i can break this down for you okay so let's uh, just 47 minutes and then we can get into the draft stuff all right
2: all right and go okay yeah
0: no yeah, anyway,
2: anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, we won't waste your time folks it's uh <laughs> phil taylor for the win anyway um what we're gonna try to do is <laughs> um talk about wide receivers that you can now turn your attention to it's pretty clear the browns have invested a lot at the position they're now removing it I would be like a 8 out of 10 surprised if Jarvis Landry is back it would have to be a really big um restructure and I think there's there's a lot to be decided about what uh what Jarvis wants to do after the year I just I don't feel good about bringing you know obviously Odell's gone now but I don't feel good about bringing either big price guy back now Jarvis could get restructured but in my opinion the focus for me is who's on the free agent market who's in the draft because I don't think they're going to go spend big in free agency, but I think they could get some medium-level player, maybe a Michael Gallup or something like that. And then they could probably look, depending on where they land in the draft, could look at wide receiver in the first round. There's a chance they're in that 15 to 25 range. There's a lot of season left to decide things here. But we want to give you guys in a couple examples. We're going to run through a list of like 10 to 12 wide receivers. And these are just guys that, as you're thinking about this, you can educate yourself on. These are players the Browns could end up taking in the draft. These are guys I should be maybe watching on Saturdays, trying to come across their film wherever I can, so you know the names because what we have to consider now is how do the Browns replace wide receiver production and is there a big-time Justin Jefferson-like player that can be selected in that range? So that's what we're going to try to give you names, give you some data, how they're doing this year, and then also talk about um, potentially where you can watch them this upcoming week, all of that fun stuff. But before we do, Steve, I want to ask you a question. I made a point earlier this no. week – well, you're going to get it. I made a point earlier this week about uh, the, the the Browns are never going to lead the NFL or be in the top half of the NFL in wide receiver targets. And what people took from that was, well, they can't support a number 1 wide receiver. I think that's completely false. I'm saying they don't run enough 11 personnel or 10 personnel to, to – like literally lead the group of wide receivers be in the top half of the NFL and wide receiver target share. But I think they can support a number one receiver. It's just, I think that number one receiver has to understand this offense is a little unique, right? It's not, it's not a, uh, Earhart Perkins system. It's not, it's not a true, true West coast system. It's not, um, you know, it's not a true spread functional system like the Cardinals. It is very run-heavy, but there are opportunities for wide receiver, a wide receiver specifically to have a really nice role in this thing, 100-plus targets. I think people are getting confused about that and thinking, well, they just need a bunch of no-name wide receivers. I don't think that's the case. I still think you want an immense, immensely talented wide receiver in this offense, right?
0: Yeah, sure. And, and it's a difference between maximizing a wide receiver and maximizing within the system. You know, I mean, it's... Uh, and, and we should we should stipulate, too, that as we've said, you and I have had this discussion on your podcast, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Stefanski is a whatever is working coach. You know, he prefers to do this, that, or the other, but within the structure of the game, the week, the season, injuries, all that kind of stuff, he'll go with whatever's working. So if, you know, for whatever reason, the, you know, two of the tight ends get hurt or they're not producing or something like that, and they have to go to 10 or 11 or something like that, and they start putting up 40 points a game. I would be stunned if Kevin Stefanski doesn't stick with that. So, you know, he could change on a dime if it starts working and they have the personnel to do it. But that does not appear to be the case, especially with the tight end group that they have. It's so well-rounded and so deep and they have so much talent there. And it fits perfectly into his system. And, uh, you know, they're not the only team that has figured out that a deep, multifaceted tight end room in the modern NFL is a dangerous weapon if used properly. A lot of other teams do it as well. I mean, the Patriots have been doing it for what? 15 years. You know, well, they're not anymore, but you know, while Tom Brady and Gronk were still there, they were <clears throat> they were doing it. So, yeah, it, it's a question of you have to understand that if you are looking to be you know, Jerry Rice or, or, or you know, pick your guy, you know, wh- whoever that is, that's probably not going to happen. Now, that being stated, you know, I saw something earlier today and it kind of surprised me, although it, it shouldn't. Uh, Odell was the most targeted player in their wide receiver core uh, to this point in the season. So people are saying, why didn't they just throw to him? Or, well, they tried, like we've been saying. Why didn't they throw the deep ball? Well, they tried. They're throwing the ball at a top 10 rate and the deep balls right now. They're just not hitting which is why it seems like they're not throwing it deep. Okay, You're not, You don't see those you know, 3, 4, 25-yard completions every game like they have before. For whatever reason, they're just not connecting. So, yeah, it, it, just because there's not going to be somebody that's the featured guy that they're going to feed the ball to over and over, and he's the engine of the offense, does not mean that you don't want as much talent at the wide receiver uh, position as you possibly can. It just means – the you know what people would you know traditionally think you need maybe isn't a necessity. I mean you could you could work with it for sure, but you know a traditional X, a traditional slot, a traditional that you can definitely make that work. But it's got to be a guy with a specific skill set and a specific understanding of who this offense is and who they're going to be. You know if you're happy with 50 to 60, maybe 75 catches or something like that being your ceiling and your team winning a bunch of games. Then that's okay. If you're not going to be happy unless you're getting 180 targets and 112 catches, well, this probably isn't the offense for you. So, you know, uh, unless you're the second coming of Rice or Moss or something like that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, people have said they don't value the wide receiver position. They don't value. I, I just don't see that. It's just that the value in the draft has to be there first of all, the pick value, and two, it's got to be the right guy for this system. It's got to be the right guy. The right skill set, I should say, you know, you're not going to force a guy into your system. I don't want to say that incorrectly, but it's got to be a guy with the right skills. It's got to be a a better to to really good route runner, precise route, which was where, you know, the Buckeyes and a couple other guys comes in that we're going to talk about here pretty soon. Guy who can catch the ball and a guy who is uh, willing to put in the effort in the run game. Uh, If you don't do those three things, you are not going to get a lot of touches. You're not going to get a lot of playing time and you're probably not going to be very happy in this system.
2: Yeah, I think above all else to me, it's the mindset of the player you bring in, right? If they are um, of that mold who demands, like you said, the football and demands attention, then it probably is not a great fit. But if you're a fit into the puzzle type of guy who can also go make plays when asked to make plays, then that is the fit. And that's what we're going to try to give you some names here. We are not experts on this. We are not uh, We are not you know knee deep in, in studying these guys we are just looking at names that are at the top of boards of smart people right now we will get into this in the off season as we do at the OBR so don't expect a ton of insight from us we'll give you some data here but not a ton of insight but we're just trying to uh, uh illuminate some names from the from the list of uh, players that are playing well at the college level right now we'll get really into the deep dive stuff once you know players declare officially and we're not wasting our time on guys that might not even come out so we'll start with the Ohio State duo. We'll start with Chris Olave. A lot to like, Steve, and I mean the numbers are really good too, man. I mean he's not a big, big, big guy. I mean 6'1", 188, and I think that one eighty eight number is being generous. We'll see how that pans out, but um, <laughs> not very big, but but he is he is quite precise. I'll give you numbers and then let you go on him. He's a he's an eighty percent outside guy for Ohio State this year. He's seen an uptick from in the slot, uh, only about ten percent of snaps and. The last two years, but up to 18.5% this year, so getting some variation to where he aligns. The guy has dropped six footballs, guys, and 208 college targets. That's a phenomenal number. Phenomenal number. Contested catch numbers this year is a guy who's not really a contested catch type. He's six for 11. uh, Six for 11, excuse me. He has only forced nine missed targets. He's just a very precise football player, where you need him to be, great body control at the catch point. A smooth runner after he catches the football, can create yards after catch, up above 204 already this year. And his grades, uh, 85.1, really when he started to get a lot of snaps in 2019, and a 83.3 in 2020. And then this year has been very transitional for them with a young quarterback, a 78.0. He's sitting at 35 catches, 526 yards. His sophomore year, obviously, when he got the uh, highest number of snaps, was 49 of 75 targets for eight seventy nine and 12 touchdowns. Amazing thing last year, Steve. He was fifty tar- 59 targets. He had 50 catches. and 84.7 reception percentage. 727 which is ludicrous. Yards. It's absolutely ludicrous. For the career now, sits at 146 for 208. So 146 catches on 208 targets, which is still a ludicrous 70.2 reception percentage. 2,335 yards and a 31 touchdown mark. He would be a slam dunk, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, and part of the th- the things that you mentioned, um, the uh, mostly m- getting more snaps outside than he has in the past, that's probably due to the, you know, at least in no small part to the uh, guy that we're going to talk about next, Garrett Wilson, because you know he's r- ridiculous as well. They're just, I mean, I you watch this Ohio State wide receiver room, and Woody Hayes would be rolling over, is probably rolling over in his grave, you know, because they're just cranking these guys out and, and they're studs they're not even just like oh that guy's a good prospect they're freaking studs it's crazy but and the other thing with Olave is the uh, the contested catch stuff that you mentioned uh he is never going to be a you know Drake London um uh Traylon Burks uh, you know David Bell those kind of guys their numbers in contested catches because of what you said he's he's not small by any means, we, you know, when, when we say he's not the biggest guy out there, we don't want that taken the wrong way. It's not like he's, you know, some. Uh, you know, like Andrew Hawkins or something. He's not a, you know, tiny little guy out there that has to rely on, you know, uh, savvy and, and Hunter Renfro type stuff. You know what I mean? So, but, but he's, he's just not big enough to, to box out some of these guys, which will probably, you know, be even less in his favor when he gets to the NFL. Uh, Cause those guys are bigger, stronger, faster, as we all know. But the, the most important thing for, well, the two most important things for me for Olave, yes, he's going to be a, a you know a tester i think I, I think especially his agility scores if he does them all uh cuz fewer and fewer of these guys are doing all the drills and stuff in indianapolis uh if he does them all i think his agility testing is going to be crazy i think i think that he, that's going to vault him even higher if it if it can go higher i mean he's ninth on tdn's board right now so but the biggest thing for him as we has been a raging discussion all week is that like you mentioned uh the precise route running because he is Uh, along with Wilson uh one of the best at the collegiate level route runners in a long time I mean he if if it's a you know if the play calls for a seven and a half yard hitch it's seven and a half freaking yards it's not eight yards it's not seven yards it's seven and a half and on top of that he also has that instinctive feel against a zone to just just figure out where the soft spot is and settle and like you said I mean is he, is he fast? Yes, he's very fast. I mean, there's probably going to be guys that test faster than him, I would guess, you know, in the straight line 40. But as we've learned, uh, the testing numbers and the uh, game speed numbers are often different. And while he may not get labeled as a, you know, quote unquote, burner or something like that, he can certainly run away from people once he's got the ball in his hand. He can beat you deep. Uh, he can beat you over the middle. He can beat you short and then take it deep. He's shifty in space. Uh, And and a hands catcher, which is something that in Cleveland I know we always like because, you know, I mean, it's not like Hugh Jackson is going to be there squirting water on the ball, but sometimes the conditions on the lakefront do get a little less than perfect, as we all know. So um, and uh, in a play action based offense, which we all hope the Browns are going to get back to because that's Baker's, you know, he's really good at it in that situation. He's also very good in that situation. So it, it, it's been our mindset for a while now, and I hate this kind of stuff, but you know these a lot of these guys are probably going to go because we expected the Browns to be picking 25th, 28th, 30th, something like that. We'll see tomorrow on Sunday, that's going to tell us the tale for the rest of the season and indicate where the range might be might end up being. If, if this if it's not a galvanizing point, this entire situation, they don't come out and win, then there's a chance this could slide. And they could be in range for any of these guys, uh, regardless of where they fall, because we're super early uh, in the process at this point. But uh, from what I can see, and again, like Jake said, we have not and will not do deep dives on these guys until after Declaration Day, which is in mid-January. I think it's January 17th this year, but don't quote me on that. After that, when we know the exact class, that's when we start the real deep dive stuff. But from what we've seen so far, and it's not just a one-year thing, it's a two-, uh, three-year group of of games that we're looking at here. Uh, There's there's really nothing that I can see uh, that you wouldn't want this guy uh, on your team. And if any of the other positions that they're going to be targeting day one, day two are not showing value whenever they are on the board, I would be completely happy with snagging a guy like Olave.
2: Well said. Let's talk Wilson. He's, I mean, <laughs> he's the same. He's, a, I think he's a, a better explosive athlete than Alave yeah. can jump. I, I, am going to be very interested to see what he jumps at the combine. It might be out of this world. Like, like uh, who was our guy last year? Was it, was it a matter Bebe? Is that the, the Illinois kid that oh, went yeah, crazy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know that he'll get up there, but it would. It'll be pretty silly. And go back and watch that catch his freshman year against Clemson in 2019, where he climbed the ladder. Uh, that's that's an explosive dude. He's had a varied, uh, varied approach here. He is, he he's exclusively a, sl- a wide guy in 2019, in his first year in in the system. He was running 91.7 percent of snaps out wide, and then goes last year to 188 slot snaps and only 68 wide snaps, and then this year is completely back the opposite direction where he's all. 84% of snaps are from the wide location, so he can do it all. You talk about a guy who's going to have experience in different locations on the field, and he was an 81.0 grade uh, last year, 82.9 receiving grade. He had 43 of 58, a 74% completion percentage for 7th 23. That probably speaks to how efficient that Ohio State offense was with Justin Fields because they were both phenomenal uh, in terms of the catch percentage. Six touchdowns this year. He's 43 of 66 So 43 catches, 687. He's going to have his highest yardage year by far this year. He's already at six touchdowns, a 79.3 receiving grade, uh, only 10 drops for his career, so the drop numbers are good. It's a little higher this year, 10%. He's had five drops, a little higher than it has been in years past, and he's not getting a ton of contested catch opportunities, only five. He's caught three of those. He's doing a nice job with 248 yak yards. Uh, Like I said, with the contested catch between him and Alave, they don't need to. I that, they don't. Those guys get so open, you don't need to make yep. them go up and get the football very often for you. He has accounted for 31 first downs, 11 forced missed tackles. Just, you know, these guys play Nebraska at 11 o'clock tomorrow – sorry, at noon. You can watch them then. You can, you've already watched them. You can continue to watch them with the idea that one of them could be a Cleveland Brown. And, you know, Wilson is uh diverse experience and, and a, an explosive player. And, you know, he has a real connection through – his high school Lake Travis where Baker did there's you know I'm sure Baker's thrown to him I'm sure they've stayed in some sort of contact there's there's an element of a relationship there so we will see but Garrett Wilson would be again a home run type to me he's he's phenomenal
0: yeah and I should have said this with Olave too um, not a ton of contested catch situations for these guys because they just can separate which is a huge Thing I, we have talked, you and I have talked uh, over the years about uh, being able to convert speed to power uh, for an edge rusher prospect being the one key uh, that if you don't have that, the rest of it kind of gets diluted. And uh, I think the same thing now uh, as far as wide receivers, wide receiver prospects. If you can't separate um, and you're re- you're relying on um, cont- if, you, if contested catches is the only thing in your bag, it's very difficult to see a path for you living up to a first round draft uh, standard as far as production and stuff like that. And these guys separate Wilson. I think, I I think you're absolutely right. I think he's actually just a better pure athlete and, and he has the versatility that you talked about would be huge uh, in this offense because we know how they like to motion people in and out and try to create mismatches and use guys all over the field. And especially if DPJ continues on his uh, trajectory and there's really no reason to believe uh, that he won't, he will probably be, you know, if you have to lock somebody into something, the starting X, you know, next year. Uh, and that would put Wilson in the uh, spot that Jarvis Landry currently inhabitates. So when you, and you see how Jarvis can get open in this offense, you see how they create opportunities and touches for him in this offense, now and this is not a knock against Jarvis, but Garrett Wilson is just a faster more explosive athlete than Jarvis Jarvis has ever been, that's never been his game he's never been a guy that beat you down the field never been what he does, he's really good at what he does, but that's not his game, Garrett Wilson can do all the things that uh, Jarvis does over the middle and in the shallow areas, but he can also beat you down the field Um, and in the Ohio State offense, uh, he also has a lot of, well, I don't know if a lot is the right word. He has experience in the orbit motion, the jet motion, the swing passes, the all that kind of stuff. Uh, where you know people, some people call them manufactured touches, and he can take those to the house as well. So again, I mean, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but much like Olave, if Wilson is around uh, when the whenever it ends up being that the Browns are on the board, then absolutely 100% should be in the discussion.
2: Okay, if you're just peeking into the position as a whole and you, you've really only been an Ohio State casual football fan and you only know about Wilson and Olave, there are some other really, really fun ones. And we're going to hit three that I think are going to be heavy first-round discussion guys. The first is Traylon Burks. He's, at a, he's in the SECs down at Arkansas. Has not always played with the best quarterback play, but, man, he is, uh, he's produced. He's 6'3", 225, so a different body type, bigger guy, but he can run. He is uh, an 88.9 receiving grade in 2020 and an 85.2 this year. 41 catches on 59 targets this year, 50 catches on 65. So those are great numbers for reception percentage. 16.2 yards per catch last year, 17.4 this year, already with seven touchdowns this year, just like last year. So he will obviously uh, obviously be able to, to, to break past that this year. He is an interesting player. He's one of those bigger slot players. Predominantly slot players in college, Steve. He's 79.9% in the slot last year, 73 right. in the slot this year. Only 33 wide snaps last year, 42 wide snaps this year. So maybe not your traditional X, but I see a skill set of a guy who can do that. I think he's tough, man. He's he's a, um, a, 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 he's a gotten pretty good at contesting catches over the last year. He's I think he's like 50%, 55% contested catch rate. Uh, 378 yak yards last year, 365 this year. So he creates after the catch nine missed tackles forced last year, 10 this year doing a really nice job in that regard. He has only had 12 drops in uh two 182 college targets. So I don't see that as a big problem. I think he's a fun player, man. I just don't know where the value will be. If teams will view him as a true X type player that, that, that calls for taking early in the, in the draft. And if the Browns, View him; they have to view him, right, Steve? Because you know they don't use a ton of eleven personnel anyway. So it's like you know how how much value would be if the team only view him a slot? But the body type is a guy who should be able to play on the outside at the NFL level.
0: Yeah, as far as that, uh, you know, will they value somebody in the first uh, first round? Just really quickly because of the personnel usage that you go into every week. Um, on your film breakdowns and all that kind of stuff, if, and you know, I, there's so many steps between here and there, we're way out over our skis, but if they were to go out and grab a Chris Godwin or an Allen Robinson or, you know, some big name free agent or something like that, well, I, that probably takes wide receiver off the board, uh, in the first round, you know, or at least pushes it down the board. Uh, but you're absolutely right. He has played mostly in the slot, but I think the thing that you mentioned, uh, the fact that he has not played with consistent quarterback play, as far as a prospect and what he offers as a varied skill set as a prospect moving to the NFL might have actually helped him because uh, the one thing that the Arkansas coaches did right, well, one of the things, I don't want to say bad things about their coaching staff. I don't follow them all that close. I've only watched Burks, but they knew they didn't have tremendous quarterback play, uh, much like Schwartz last year in Auburn. So they found creative ways to get him the ball. They put him in the slot. They line up in the backfield. He's he's played you know uh, a bunch of, uh, of snaps and has some really explosive plays when he's lined up at, you know like a running back, like a Cordero Patterson or something like that. Um, and the fact that he can play from the slot and he has these you know, mo- he has plenty of experience in motion. He has plenty of experience in in, in shifting and, and getting a, a a matchup, a favorable matchup, so they can get him the ball and manufacture touches for him. It actually might help him as a prospect because he's been able to work on, refine, and improve his yak skills, his his you know skills with the ball in his hand. He's He sees the field from all different angles. He's not some guy that's lined up 850 snaps in a row wide on the right, so that's the only way he can see the field or anything like that. He's got good hands um he's got more speed than a lot of people give him credit for probably because of his size they see him like you mentioned six three two two twenty plus, 220 plus and they think oh this is you know just a big slot guy nope and then he's passed him um he's also pretty pretty darn good as a route runner like most prospects there's some things that he can clean up um but he's savvy in his route running i love throwing that word out there it's a big one in the draft community and i get to use it about twice savvy. a year um it's exciting uh, when I get to throw that into a conversation, but he's also um, again, much like we said with the lobby, when he sees zone coverage in front of him, he has that just innate knack of finding the soft spot. And then once he's got the ball in his hands, he can get past you again. So uh, willing in the blocking. Uh, aspect of the run game. Uh, obviously, a lot of stuff to clean up there, like a lot of most college prospects don't come out as you know really great blockers that, because they're not asked to do it a lot at that level. So, but the effort is there and the, certainly the skill set is there. So yeah, again, with a guy like Burks, it would depend on where they are in the draft uh, order and what they do or do not do uh, in the uh, in the free agent market, free agent and trade market. So, but purely from a, is this guy really, really good? And is he worth a first round pick uh, angle? 100%, absolutely. Would love to have a guy like Traylon Burks on my team next year.
2: Uh, Arkansas plays Mississippi State, must win game for them uh, coming up tomorrow. You can watch that game at four o'clock, so you can get a better feel for Burks. The next guy that we're going to talk about is a polarizing figure who unfortunately lost the rest of his season to injury. But Drake London, man, this guy was putting up some stats this year, Steve. He was going 88 catches already for USC, who, again, was yep. playing catch-up ball a lot of time. I get it, but still, these are you cannot ignore these in a Power 5. 88 catches on 119 targets already for the year, seven touchdowns and 1,084 yards and a 91.8 receiving grade, most of it coming wide. Now, he had been a slot player himself, 97% in the slot in 19, 91% in the slot in 20, He'd shifted out to 86% of his snaps out wide this year. He he has had eight drops, but again, eight drops on 119 targets. You got to look at those a little bit. So it's an 8.3 drop percentage. Where if somebody has only had 50 targets and they've only had four drops, you gotta you, you know you gotta you gotta view that in the right microscope. But listen, man, 19 contested catches on 28 opportunities. That's real, man. That's real. He's 22 missed tackles forced, 54 first down catches. 65210. If you're looking for that body type, that bigger guy, um there's a lot to study with him. Does he like to block? Is he what type of person is he? But boy, there's a lot of appealing stuff here with Drake London.
0: And uh, not the least of which is he will only be 20 years old at the time of the draft, and we know yeah. how much that is weighted with this front office. It's Way bigger than some people I know. We get yelled at, and I, you should start ramping up uh, to get yelled at about the age guardrail again, because that's a fun part of draft season every year. Um, but uh, it matters to these people. He he will not be 21 until uh, the end of camp, uh, or the middle of camp next year. It's I think it's I think it's I don't know, it might be the beginning of camp. It's either late July or mid August. I, I don't have it off the top of my head when his birthday is, but he'll only July be 20 24th. at the time of the draft. Yep. July twenty okay, so right before camp he'll turn yep. 21 years old. Um, but yeah, and, and I know that the question about him is, and we just mentioned this with Traylon Burks, is he only a contested catch guy because that if that's all you do, it's very difficult to live up to a first round uh, expectations. And those are a lot of his highlights because as you said, his contested catches are pretty impressive. Uh, but that's not all he does. Those are the highlight reels. That's what everybody sees if if you know, you're not digging into it all that deep. but he's six foot five, two ten, like you said, and pretty much the offense for USC. Everybody knows Drake London's gonna get the ball and they still can't stop him. And that's why you see those contested catches because <laughs> there's three guys on him half the time. He's always contested. but, he can separate. Um, can he separate like a Wilson or an Olave? No, at least not yet. He's only 20 years old, and with his body size, he's fast. He's plenty fast, but much like DPJ, it takes him a few steps to get up to top speed at that size. It's just, just the way it is. It's like a freight train building speed. Uh, but he can separate. Um, he's he's not afraid to go over the middle. Uh, he In the red zone, obviously, both with the jump balls that people love to talk about and with get two feet over the goal line, turn your back to your man and just block him out with your body. He's deadly uh, in the red zone. But don't think of him as just a contested catch guy. He has all of it, and he's great with his hands. A lot of those drops, I'm curious to see how many of those are like, uh, you know, yeah, it was graded as a drop, but the you know the defender got his hand in at the last second and that kind of stuff. I'm not sure. Uh, I, like I said before, we haven't d- a deep dove on him yet, but uh, I'm curious on that because to me he looks like a pretty sure-handed catchers. catcher. Catcher. Um, he's now I don't believe there's people that have already started with me about oh they need a six-five guy for it to catch jump balls in the red zone. Well, the numbers prove that quick separation is a far more Consistent scoring technique in the red zone than throwing, uh, you know, jump balls. Uh, but it's certainly nice to have him there. I mean, if you got somebody that can do it on a consistent basis, why wouldn't you do that? Um, but yeah, again, I, I don't know if if DPJ continues his ascension and he's the outside guy. I'm not sure. If they would want a second guy like that or if they would want to find more of a Wilson or the guy we're going to talk about next, uh, you know, a Dotson uh, to put into the slot and so they complement each other like that, I am not 100 percent sure. But again, like we, well, we said with all these guys, if they're sitting on the board in the first round or maybe the injury takes them to early to day two, I don't know, maybe they get lucky like they do with JOK and he's around at you know 55 or wherever it is they end up picking then yeah, I, I mean, how do you not want this guy on your football team? Because he does everything that's asked of, uh, of a wide receiver and he does it, does it at a high level.
3: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for
2: the ones who get it done. Yeah, he fractured the ankle a week ago, and there it's you know, nobody would have told me that Olave was gonna go back to Ohio State another year, and he did. And being only twenty at the time of the draft, he could consider going back, getting the foot right, feeling a hundred percent you know there's right. not as big a demand for money because you can get some NIL stuff now just saying it's in the realm of possibilities he's he's, he's more than likely going to come out but this happens every year we're like Travis Etienne went back like that. You just right. it happens every year. So I will, will definitely be interested in Drake. But at his young age, it would not stun me if he went back to get the ankle right and feel good going into his first NFL year or improve himself draft wise. A fractured ankle is not the end of the world. God, it's far from it. You know, it's sometimes better to fracture the ankle than to really badly sprain it or tear ligaments. So it is. Uh, it he'll right. recover. Just uh, wanted to throw it out with the reference to his age. Jahan Dotson is next. as you talked about from Penn State. Uh, another guy in the similar, Alave, uh, uh, Wilson size range. He's an 80.3 receiving grade this year. He's had a mixture, 23% in the slot, 76 out, six, 76% out wide. He is a, um, let me see the stats, uh, 60 catches on 92 targets. Again, we've watched Penn State. We know the quarterback play there. Uh, 690 yards, he had 884 yards last year on eight touchdowns, six touchdowns this year. Uh, four interceptions in his direction. So that speaks to something five missed tackles for, so not a ton there. And he's four of nine in contested catch, but I just think he's a really solid wide receiver. Maybe not ultimately a first round guy, but a really fun second round guy at the latest. Um, What do you like about Dotson?
0: Yeah, pretty much everything you just said, Uh, the contested catch stuff out. Excuse me. I would imagine is at least partly attributable to the fact that he is not the biggest guy in the world. He's listed 5'11", 185. And we know what listed by the team means. Uh, we'll wait until Mobile or Indianapolis to find out exactly how big these guys are. But I mean, other than that, what, what does this guy do that you don't like? I mean, he can run, he can beat you deep. He can beat you over the middle. Uh, he's great at, uh, you know, at a slips, at the slip screen game and something else that he does very well. He is, he's, he's one of those guys that just has that instinctive back shoulder catching ability. Like when you throw the back shoulder to him, he's just really good at it. Uh, And Baker loves to throw, at least he did before this year. uh, You know, he he loves to throw those back shoulder sideline routes. And, you know, people have been asking, Hey, where's our, uh, pass interference penalties, you've asked that. Said, Well, those back shoulder throws are a lot of times where it happens because your receiver stops and the guy runs into him. So if he's good at that and he's good at catching them, if he can get free, that seems like a good fit skill set-wise, kind of the opposite of, unfortunately, as you have pointed out, what Odell's skill set was, it just was a round peg square hole situation. This looks like a square peg square hole situation. So you know, he's plenty fast. Um, you know, he's not going to be four two or anything, at least as far as I can as far as I can tell. But he's plenty fast enough, um, quick in and out of his breaks, good with his hands. Uh, at his size, probably not going to be the guy you want blocking qu- as much as possible. But he certainly will put in the effort. And everything that I've heard is he's a high character guy. So yeah, again, especially if you can get him early day two. Uh, which may or may not happen. The way he's having this, year. he's having a year uh, this year. Um, absolutely, a guy that you would want to put. I think playing inside of DPJ could be a super duper pairing. Uh, their skill sets would complement each other very nicely. I think.
2: Yep. Penn State plays at Maryland tomorrow. If you'd like to go watch a little bit more of of uh, John Dotson. so another interesting name there. Two others from Alabama. Okay, uh, Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, who's been. A revelation for them this year. He's 35 catches on 55 targets, 6 touchdowns, 708 yards. He is a uh, 75-25 split wide and outside more wide snaps than the slot. But he's created a ton of yak yards, 347. He only has um, 4 drops this year. But again, to the point earlier, I'm saying only there, but that's a higher drop percentage than Drake London. But just want to kind of clear that up. 2 for 4 in contested catch situations. He's got 26 first downs. And then from uh, Mechie, a guy who's just kind of been hovering in the background of all those great Alabama wide receivers for so long. He's had a 70.5 receiving grade last year, 73.2 this year. He's gone 52 catches on 66 targets. So he's catching everything thrown his way. 601 yards, five touchdowns. He had 916 and six touchdowns last year. Again, similar splits. He's a 70-30 guy, 70% wide, 30 in the slot as Alabama likes to move those guys around. 400 yak yards. He has the same number of drops, four. He had six drops last year. It's been under 10% his two years there. And then uh, five of eight on contested catch numbers, which is uh, catch opportunities, which is a better result this year than last. But the 17 missed tackles forced is an impressive number this year. 26 first downs. What do you like about the two Alabama guys?
0: Well, what's not to like really? I mean, Mechie was the guy getting all the hype at the beginning of the year and Williams kind of, it's hard to say, came out of nowhere when he went to Ohio State and Alabama. There's there's not a lot of of guys recruited by Ohio State and Alabama that are shocking, uh, but was not a name known to a lot of people, you know, uh, a lot of Ohio state people, you know, were kind of making fun of it. You know, he couldn't play here. So he went to Alabama, that kind of stuff, which is, you know, just fun fan stuff. But boy, has he really come along. As far as Mechie goes, the missed tackles are an indication of two things to me. Uh, And he does pretty much everything. Well, I mean, great hands, um, super fast, obviously, uh, but the missed tackles to me, it's all part of one group of thing. He's very shifty in space. And his routes are unbelievably crisp. He can break ankles. I mean, he can cut his routes off so quickly. uh, And that kind of shiftiness leads to missed tackles after the catch. He's got great hands, loves to catch a ball away from his body, uh, will work over the middle of the field uh, without any fear, but can also beat you on a nine route with ease. Uh, so that's a guy that, again, if you're thinking about somebody to pair with DPJ, maybe Mechie is more your speed. But Williams, I'm going to say something with Williams, and I want to make sure I say it very carefully so that people don't take this wrong. Because it's not a player comp, uh, and it's, it brings up so many feelings when you, talk, you say this name around Cleveland Browns fans. He's so fast. He's, he runs. He doesn't look like he's running all that hard. He eats yards and runs with a smoothness and ease, I'm not even sure the word to put on it, that's reminiscent to me of Josh Gordon. Remember how we used to say Josh Gordon doesn't even look like he's trying yeah. and he's just running away from people? It's similar. Uh, obviously he's not quite as big and I'm not saying that he is, has a talent because everybody in Cleveland knows if it wasn't for the, the problems, the addiction issues that the young man has – Gold jacket level talent, probably the most physically talented wide receiver that I've ever seen. Uh, So I'm not saying it's that. I'm just saying it's a similar style. But it's not only speed with this guy. I had somebody say to me that that's all he is. He's just a speed runner. This is another guy. His his ankle and knee ligaments must be stronger than my entire body times ten because the way he can stop and change direction in the middle of his routes is really impressive um he uh, you just you you're just waiting for that knee to just like explode like it's in a cartoon or something like that because he just it's so it's amazing how quickly he does it uh, again a guy who catches the ball with his hands uh puts in the effort in the run game you don't get the ball uh in, in nick saban's uh system unless you're putting it at least putting in the effort and blocking in the run game and again with like you said they like Much like Ohio State, they like to move these guys in and out all over the place, which from a prospect perspective really helps because a team out there can say, hey, yeah, you know, we know he took such and such a percentage outside, but he would fit perfectly in the slot and he's shown that he can play in the slot or vice versa. So uh, and again, with Kevin, the way he likes to move people all over the field and there really isn't defined roles uh you know as far as this guy's always outside this guy's always inside i think that kind of versatility as it is with everywhere every place else on this roster is definitely uh, a positive as far if you're looking at his fit with the browns
2: yeah alabama plays lsu at seven o'clock tomorrow you can catch those guys they'll be on the main stage throughout the rest of the year both talented players could be targets toward the end of the first round into the second round we'll see david bell's next from purdue purdue plays a Really fun game against Michigan State in a trap game opportunity, the same way where they trap game to Iowa when they traveled to Iowa and Bell went 11 of 12, 11 catches on 12 targets, 240 yards a touchdown. He's fun, man. He's been overshadowed by Rondell Moore for too long. He's broken out mm-hmm. the right way this year, 85.3 grade. And again, he went for in his freshman year, 1,035 yards, seven touchdowns, went for 625, eight touchdowns last year. Is going to approach that freshman year number. He's at 52 catches, 778, four touchdowns. He's more wide than uh than inside. He's an 86.9% wide guy, 13.1 slot. He's a 6'2, 205, so some sneaky good size, 349 yak yards this year, seven of sixteen in contested catch, ten of eighteen last year contested catches in his first year in ncaa football steve 20 of 45 that's wild that many opportunities to to go up and get contested catches so you get a good picture there he's forced 19 missed tackles already i'm telling you david bell might be slept on in this entire group of wide receivers what do you got
0: yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to be one of those guys, especially when we see his testing, uh, that's going to actually blow a lot of people away. And it's going to be one of those things where how did he last until the middle of the second round or, you know, the end of the second round, wherever it ends up being? Because for everything that he does great, and he does a lot of things great, he's not going to blow you away with his speed. It, it, and and his because he's a bit taller and, and he's got kind of long legs, he doesn't change. It's not like it's poor or anything, but his change of direction isn't like a Wilson or somebody like that, you know, or, or a Dotson who can just, you know, their legs are a blur. He he takes just a little bit longer uh, to, to move around and, and get up to top speed out there, but he does all the little things right. Um, he's uh, he's He knows how to find uh, the open spot. He knows how to adjust his routes on the fly. He knows uh, how to catch the ball away from his body and use his body as a shield. Uh, yeah, there, there's really not much, many weaknesses to his game, but I think... If he drops, you know, to the middle of the second round, end of the second round, something like that, it will be because there's not one standout trait, you know, there's not one thing where he doesn't run a 4-2 or his three cone isn't, you know, 6.6 or something ridiculous. They're all, all his numbers are going to be good, but there's not going to be one thing that he's great at as far as testing, I think, and that may cause him uh, to, to, you know, I don't know, drop, can you say drop about a guy that's probably going to be. Drafted around 50. I don't know if that's a drop or not, but it might cause him to be behind some of these other guys who are going to test out of this world. Uh, If there's one thing that you can say, that's probably going to be what it is. But whatever team that he goes to, I think they're going to be very, very happy with this young man because he works his ass off and uh, he does a lot of things right and he catches the most important thing. We talk about all this stuff and it's all very important, but we've had this discussion. Uh, for a few years now, when we do our mock drafts and, and then our draft coverage and everything, most important thing is if you throw the football in his direction, does he catch it or does it hit the ground? I mean, it sounds so simple, but some we get lost in all the other stuff sometimes, and we forget this guy just doesn't drop the ball very much. He four catches drops, it to, he Steve. Ca-
2: four drops in 2019 on 128 targets. Two drops in 77 targets last year. One drop this year. Seven freaking drops in 280 college targets that's impressive david bell's a guy you should be watching tomorrow yeah
0: exactly so you know he again he's not going to test out of this at least i don't think i hope he does i hope he he proves me wrong i root for all these guys you know prove me wrong but i don't think he's going to test as well as some of the other guys that are in this day one day two discussion um and he's not going to have that one standout trait and he could just get prioritized a little bit behind some of these other guys but like I said, whoever gets him, probably going to be very, very happy with what they got.
2: Yeah, Michigan State tomorrow. Make sure you watch that game. Should be fun. The last one I want to talk about before we kind of highlight on the way out the door some of the other injured guys and maybe a fringe guy or two is uh, you and I have talked about Romeo. I pre- pronounce Dubs, right? Romeo Dubes? Dubs. Th- dubs? Dubs. Yes. There's an O in there that is just not belonging in that last name. Getting, as in
0: multiple wins. Getting Dubs.
2: dubs. Romeo yes. Dubs, D O U B S. The person that put that O in the last name should be in trouble from the from the ancestry line. Anyway, <laughs> they're playing with a really fun quarterback out there in at Nevada in Carson Strong and, and tight end
0: and right tackle. Cole, what's Nevada Turner? Dudes Cole Turner's on Cole my. Turner.
2: Uh, I, I'm a I'm a sick dude, and I have a college fantasy league that I'm in that runs simultaneously to my NFL one. And Cole Turner puts up numbers every week. Nevada has
0: dudes, man. So good, man. Yeah, they have dudes. This is a great tight end class. So I know we've got a great class right now, but tight ends take a year or two to develop, just a real quick side tangent here. Mm -hmm. And we know Austin Hooper is probably not going to be around after next year. We still don't know what's going to end up with David Njoku, And, you know, uh, uh, Harrison Bryan is not quite – we like him, but he's not a finished product yet. So do not take tight end off of your radar, especially some of these guys that are – Just from a numbers perspective, there's just so many of them. They're Mm -hmm. going to be around late day two, early day three. Do not be surprised if they spend another pick on a tight end, and I would love it if it was Cole Turner. Anyway, back to the wide receiver. I'm with you,
2: man. He's special. Uh, Dubs here has 49 catches on 66 targets. He's at 197 catches on 304 in his career. He's been around. He's been working for a while. He is at 2,900 college receiving yards, 19 touchdowns. He broke out. Last year where he caught 60 of 90 targets for 1,020 and 9 touchdowns in a short season. He's at 49 for 66 this year as Nevada's had others step up. He's doing a little bit more in terms of wide uh, alignment variation. He's a, he's a, He's been a 90% wide guy. This year he's down to 73 to 27 in terms of that. He's got 85 slot snaps, which is a high number for him. Uh, he's traditionally been a 300 yak yards guy every season. He will continue to do that. He's a 6'2", 200... Uh, size guy he's a he's a contested catch guy who's didn't have a great contested catch year the last year five of 16 but he's at five of nine this year 27 first downs he's a he's a deep downfield target i mean he's a 12.7 a dot 17.1 a dot last year he's a deep threat for carson strong who can really drive the football downfield He's, he's a fun player if you get into that second round range he could be a name to keep your eye on right
0: yeah, and he's been a little dinged up this year. I think he missed at least one, maybe two games. So those numbers are a little bit, even a little bit more impressive. Um, but yeah, definitely a deep, uh, a deep ball guy. The one area that was a question for him coming into the year was the drops. Uh, had I don't remember the exact number, but some of them were like the uh, the concentration variety, like wide open, hit him, you know, right in the hands, and and tried to turn up the field too quickly. That kind of stuff uh, has appeared to clean that up. Uh, this year uh, and has made some pretty impressive catches yes definitely loves to work down the field more of a you know a, a, a nine route or deep post kind of guy but um, can also get you yards on uh, you know uh, smokes and bubble screens and 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 that kind of stuff great with the ball in his hands uh, after the catch as you mentioned and big enough uh, that he rarely goes down at first contact, which is fantastic. So yeah, that Nevada offense is a ton of fun to watch and he's a big part of the engine. Why him and, um, and their, uh, their quarterback, Carson Strong have a, a really good connection. Now you throw the Cole Turner exploding this year into it and they're, they're just fun to watch, man. They're, they're a fun offense to, to watch play. Um, but yeah, he's a guy uh, you know, was considered coming into the year more of just an air raid kind of guy, just loves to run down the field, but that's not the case, I don't think. I really don't think that's the case with him. I think at his size uh, and uh, and with his uh, physicality, he will learn uh, to get better over the middle portions of the field. So, yeah, uh, right now, uh, actually post-100, mostly early day three on a lot of the boards that I see out there personally. I disagree with that, but it's way too early in the process to be yelling about that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens, and uh, we don't even know who's going to end up declaring. So, but uh, yeah, if they have not addressed wide receiver by if it, let's say he languishes in the you know 80 to 75 to 100 range, uh, and that's where he ends up being, if they have not addressed it by that point, and Dubs is on the board, I'd be tickled with grabbing this guy.
2: Nevada plays 10 o'clock tomorrow Eastern. San Jose State. If you're a night owl, sticking up for one of those Nevada games as well. Well, well, well worth your time. Um, okay, close with some other names. Just throw them out. Maybe if you want to add a couple sentences about them. Just other guys that are worth time for folks if they want to try to catch as many receivers as they can.
0: Uh, Zay Flowers is a guy that I've had a lot of people ask me about. He's a lot of fun, but he's like he's listed at 5'11", 175, which, again, we know what teams do with their listings. So if he comes in short of that, let's say he comes in 5'10", 170, or something like that. I, I could be wrong. I just don't know that they're going to spend top 100 draft capital on him. But he certainly is a ton of fun uh, to keep your eyes on. Uh, Wandale Robinson at Kentucky, obviously also tons of fun. Electric um, with the ball in his hands, a, uh, a highlight reel machine. But A lot of manufactured-type touches. I'm not sure how refined he's going to be. And then, of course, there's three guys that are on the injury list, like you mentioned at the top of the show, that are just – it's so hard to project right now. George Pickens from Georgia uh, obviously talked about in uh, day one conversations and still has not come back from his injury. Uh, And since he's only a junior, again, like you said before – Very well with uh, um, Drake London, very well could decide, depending on when he comes back. If he comes back these last few games, looks impressive, looks and and thinks he's healthy, he may go ahead and declare. But he may decide to go back if they give him a day too great or something like that and show that he's healthy and and improve all that kind of stuff. Um, The other two, obviously... um uh the, the ronnie bell uh geez, i was totally blanking on the the kid from michigan same thing was very highly thought of at the beginning of the year suffered that devastating knee injury also uh i'm not sure if he uh, is going to come back or not. And Dante Dimas, he's a senior at Maryland, was one of my favorites. As you know, we talked about him on several of the uh, mock draft episodes that we've done. I really, really like this kid. He also suffered a pretty nasty-looking knee injury. I'm not sure if he will qualify for a medical waiver to get another year or if that would even be something that he would be interested in pursuing. I have no idea. But if he comes back and shows through draft season that he's at least progressing to back to health, you know, there's no long term effects, and the doctors give him a clear bill of health. That could be a guy that they could steal because after an injury like that, obviously, you know, teams are going to be hesitant to use top 100 draft capital on him. But if you can get him at, you know, 145 or something like that because of the injury, and then he comes back completely healthy and becomes the player that I thought he could be before the injury, that's a guy I would really, really be
2: interested in uh, if he
0: ends up uh, joining the draft class this year.
2: All right, we've given you a ton of names, so hopefully this will. Uh, feed you uh, feed your insight or curiosity for uh, who the Browns can can possibly replace 13 with next year or even more. They might have to replace more. Maybe we'll see if even Rashard Higgins is back. We don't know. We've heard rumors from our Brad Steinbrook that he wants more money than what he's received. He won't take a discount in Cleveland, but, you know, I don't know how that'll all shake out. We'll keep our eye on it. Anyway, um, this was great, Steve. I think we got a lot of people knocked out here, names that we will continue to reference, both in your mock drafts through the remainder of the year some saturdays and then i know you and i when we turn the corner and really dig into this stuff in podcast and video form uh in the january february march range we'll be talking about all these dudes so thanks for your time man
0: no problem yeah uh like we said at the beginning of the show and like jake just reiterated these are just guys to keep your eye on these are not guys that were saying these are the guys and the only guys and they're definitely going to be browns these are just you know get yourself 10 12 that you like you know, in the top 100, that way you're not absolutely crushed. If one guy isn't there, it picks 77 or wherever they end up in the third round, you know. so. But these are all fun players. Uh, if they all declare, I can't imagine any of them, with the possible exception of Dubs, which I would love if he lasted to day three. But I can't imagine any of the rest of the names that we mentioned uh, lasting into day three. So these are going to be names that you're going to hear bandied about quite a bit during draft season, assuming they all declare. Uh, and we hope this uh, helps people narrow things down and expand your scope of your draft coverage so you don't just know five names and then you wonder who the hell are these guys when the Browns draft them
2: (laughs) Uh, that'll still happen anyway but we're trying our (laughs) best here so uh, for myself for Steve thanks for joining us guys have a great whether you're listening to this on Friday night or into your Saturday with college football have a great weekend enjoy your family enjoy your time away from your job whatever that might be or if you're working over the weekend I hope this gives you a nice break from it So we'll continue to try to look at ways at which your Cleveland Browns get better as the year wears on, evaluate their play, but always, as we do with the OBR, keep an eye ahead on the future at how they can get better down the line. We appreciate your time, your support, your energy, and finding our content, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, downloading it. You're the best. Have a great weekend, Browns fans. We will catch you on Sunday with the pregame pod, and then we will also, as you already know, be live for the pregame show at noon o'clock and then right after it for the post-game show. Appreciate you guys, and as usual, go Browns.
1: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from movement.